It's time for another episode of Rainmaker for Contractors. Interviews and success stories with million-dollar-plus basement waterproofing and foundation repair owners. Discover how they market and grow their companies in today's economy. Hear directly from the most successful leaders in your industry. With your host and Rainmaker for Contractors owner, Bill Crawford. Hey, well, welcome everybody to the Rainmaker for Contractors podcast. Today we have a super special guest named Dave Hill. Dave, can you tell us a little about your company and uh, what you guys do? Yeah, good morning, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. Uh, I work for Radonaway. It's a brand of spruce environmental technologies. We are a manufacturer of radon fans and radon mitigation products, radon testing equipment. We also have the AirCheck and AccuStar laboratories, brand of laboratories, where we make just about every type of passive test device that you can imagine. And uh, we make them and we also analyze them. So if you're looking for things radon, uh, we're, we're kind of the one-stop shop to, to get everything you're, uh, you're looking for to deal with your radon problem on the testing and mitigation side. So we've known each other for, I don't know, 10 years. We've served on the Basement Health Association for many years together. Uh, you're just like- I had a, hair and I did, <laughs> didn't have gray in my beard either. Me too, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, right on the way, I, you're being humble. I think that you guys are huge players in the industry. And I, I also just appreciate the work that you've done to try to have basement waterproofing companies and radon companies like work together for the good of the, for the benefit of the homeowners. Right. So uh, first of all, how did you get involved with radon? Oh, gosh, that's a question that I'll take the entire hour. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was it was really interesting. I had a good friend of mine when I was in, in the 80s, when I was just getting out of uh, out of college, who was working at a relocation company. And he called me up and he said, you ever hear this thing called radon? And I'm like, yeah, I read about something in the paper. And it was right after uh, Reagan had signed the 1988 Indoor Radon Abatement Act. And the relocation industry, which at the time was you know, a big industry and IBM was a huge company and was their biggest, biggest mover of people around the world. And the relocation industry said, we need to start testing for radon. Uh, this is a big deal. And we're, we're buying and selling homes. We need to make sure we're not passing on homes that have this carcinogen in them. So we got a little bit more knowledgeable on it. And he says, we're about to launch this. There's nobody out there doing radon work, save a few people here and there. So he and I decided to get together in 1988. We started the radon mitigation business. So early on, when that started to become a uh, really an issue and people started getting into the radon business, everybody said, we're going to franchise. We're going to be the only big radon company throughout the world. So every early radon company was going to franchise. The same with Radonaway. So our president and owner, uh, Alan Zucchino, partnered with two other gentlemen, and they were going to get into radon mitigation as well. So they went out to start doing, doing some mitigation, putting their plans to put a franchise together and realized there was no product on the market. We were all using inline bathroom fans and duct fans, trying to figure out which one didn't leak a lot so that we can put it in for, for a radon system. And so they decided that, you know what, let's supply the, pro the products to the industry. And they started making uh, radon fans in, uh, in the late, late 80s. So we introduced our first inline production model radon fan, which was the first inline production model radon fan in the world in 1992. And from there, we just kept adding to our line of products. And our company grew from being in Alan's daughter's bedroom before she was born to uh, a facility here where we have a 
really across the country, 150,000 square feet of just radon specific space. Wow. And that, and so it's been an interesting, interesting growth from those, those three guys in a bedroom uh, to now 150 employees. Wow. So before we get into uh, working with basin waterproofing companies, as I appreciate your work in that, why is radon a big deal? Well, radon became a, well, was always been something we've known about for in, in mine workers for almost a hundred years now. And so OSHA has been monitoring exposure to mine workers, gosh, for almost that whole time, they've had requirements for levels of exposure because they knew it was a carcinogen. What we found out in the, in the mid eighties uh, was, you know, a, a gentleman by the name of Stanley Watrous, and I'll use his name because his name has been used all over the place on this, was working at a nuclear power plant as an electrician, and he set off alarms as he was entering through the opposite doors because they were fixing uh, uh, the other doors. And he set off the alarms on his way into work, uh, the radiation alarms, and then they started to do an investigation and realized that his home had thousands of picocuries in his basement. Wow. And they started scratching their head. The EPA got involved and realized that well, this is not just mine workers, this could be in the average home. Studies then became, you know, then started to find out how much radon people were being exposed to in their home. And we then found out how much that risk was. And, and so that's really where it became a big deal is early on, we went from worker safety to, oh my gosh, this is in people's homes, we need to notify them. And that's when the government got involved and created the radon program within the EPA, which is the only, uh, program in the EPA that does not have a mandate, an actual uh, level that is mandated that you have to be below because it's more of an informative, you know, type of a program where they're giving money to the states. The states are then working to get people knowledgeable about radon and test for radon and then fix it if it's, if it's elevated. Got it. I see. So what, uh, you know, out of 100 homes in, say, the Midwest or the East, which I think has uh, higher ratings, especially the East and radon, like, how many of them do you think have radon issues? Well, let's talk a little bit more globally, because we can start looking at the mapping on each state. Um, so let's not globally, but let's talk about the United States. So okay. the United States, we've done some studies, uh, EPA and National Academy of Sciences did studies uh, in the um, earlier years that came out and showed that there was one in 15 homes uh, were likely to be above the EPA's recommended action level of four picocuries per liter. Okay, now that we've been doing more, more work, we have millions and millions of points of data from our laboratories and other laboratories, and we've, we've now put them all together and, and new mapping is being done. But what we're seeing is that the, the real occurrence rate is gonna be around one in six homes. So yes, there are gonna be areas of the country like, uh, you know, there are areas of the country where there's really a low prevalence of radon because of the types of soils and, and that, that the homes are being built on. And then there's going to be areas where it's much, much higher and 40%, 50%, up to 70% of the homes are, are elevated. But when we look at the overall average of the United States, it really is around one in six homes, not one in 15. And so that's where we're trying to get some of the mapping redone so that the messaging out to people are, uh, is a little bit different um, because right now the EPA maps, which are absolutely a great tool to use to see, you know, whether or not you're in a high radon zone, but the recommendation from the EPA is test every home. These zones give you an idea of prevalence, an idea of prevalence, but the recommendation is test every home. 
So if you're in a yellow area where you should not have a lot of radon, you should still test your home because you're going to find those pockets of radon. You're going to find that high home and you don't want it to be your home. Okay. So let's go there uh, just briefly. What, uh, you know, radon can lead to, is it primarily just lung cancer? Not that that's a small thing. Um, what are the consequences of kind of being exposed to too much radon? Sure. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to play one on the podcast here. Um, but I've, I've listened to a lot of the, a lot of the studies and a lot of the people that really know a lot more about it than I do. Um, the estimates that are, are, that the government is, is giving out to us from the EPA National Academy of Sciences is that we've got about 25,000 people a year on average that, that die from every year from radon induced lung cancer. Okay. Now, is it higher than that? If our prevalence is higher than that, or if our indoor average is higher? Yes. That's at an average indoor radon concentration nationwide of 1.3 picocuries per liter. So if your average in your home is eight picocuries, well, you're in a different category. Yes, you're part of the 25,000, yeah. but you're a part of the making up the average of 1.3. So when you really start getting into elevated levels, you need to be more concerned about reducing that, that, that risk. It's kind of like, I always liken it to, to sunscreen. Everybody has a threshold of risk they're willing to take. We know that, you know, that too much sun causes potential skin cancers. So we have people that go out there and used to put on tanning oil. And yeah, I don't care. I'm not worried about it. And then you have people that are going to put on SPF 50 because they don't want any risk at all. Zinc on their nose. They may have, may have, may have more susceptibility. We have a, a level of risk we want to expose ourselves to. So what we want to do to give people is the information so they can make informed decisions. The recommended action level for the EPA is four picocuries per liter. They recommend that if you're living in the area and it's two picocuries or higher, you consider fixing your home. The World wow. Health Organization recommends at an action level of 2.7 picocuries per liter. So there's a lot of good information out there and you have to decide, well, how much risk is good for me? And so my opinion is provide the testing, get the testing done, give, them the, give people the data so they can make the informed decision. I want SBF 50, or I'm going to put on oil. Got it. That's good. That's a good analogy. And when it comes to basement waterproofers, I kind of come into a basement and opening up the floor. Mm -hmm. Is there harm in kind of not really paying attention to, you know, the indoor air and those kind of things? Yeah. So what we know is that that radon's coming from the breakdown of, of, you know, other rocks and stuff in the soil, radium in the soil and bedrock below our homes. And so we also can get rare, it could be a part of the building materials. It's much more rare that way. So we're usually dealing with it coming from the soil. So when a contractor is going out and assessing a potential problem in a home, whether it's slab on grade, over a crawl space or a full basement or a mixture of all, you're looking at what are the potential routes that the radon gas is coming in. Yes, it can make its way through the pores of the soil, similar to moisture as you know, water as vapor. It, it, it could also get through on easy pathways, dirt crawl spaces, open sump pits, open floor drains, or a waterproofing system that it leaves the, the floor wall connection wide open. So an open system could potentially allow other soil gases to get in. Um, and so those are concerns. Those are things we try to provide knowledge and information about to the waterproofing industry so they can make informed decisions on how they're practicing their 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 fix or mitigation of the acute water problem. And so how would, what do you recommend a waterproofing company um, to kind of be aware of this problem? Should they 
take it on themselves? Should they partner with a radon company? What do you suggest? Sure. Education is everything in this, right? So we educate each other um, and we find out by sharing information what needs to be done for waterproofing and some of the things we have to do in order to make it effective, uh, which is, you know, we'll talk hopefully about that, that waterproofing is the first line of defense for the health in a, in a, in a home. Um, but really getting educated on, on, on radon itself and how it enters and how your work may affect that, then you can look at the decision as to, I can partner with somebody who's already certified as a professional at dealing with this, you know, as, as a first, you know, as a first approach, I could get more educated and certified myself so I can become a professional and add this to my, to my business and profit center, uh, which then leads to some opportunities for, for growth of the company and helping your client. Uh, early on, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, of partnerships, strategic partnerships, because how do you know what you're getting into in, until you have a mentor yourself? Um, you know, sure, I can go study radon in a book. It doesn't mean that I, I know that the best ways to deal with every single home I'm going to address. Same thing with waterproofing. You walk into a house that has, you know, uh, gravel below the slab. I'm, I know exactly how I'm going to approach it. Now I go in there and I've got gray beams below the slab. I've got packed clay. I've got a crawl space involved in it too. My approach to that home is going to be completely different than that standard home. So if every home is exactly the same, getting into radon is, is, is really easy. You just have to get trained, get certified and, and then uh, probably buying a ladder because we have to vent the radon above the roof. Um, but because of the complexity, I always recommend strategic partnerships as a good way to start. Got it. What's the average radon system cost in a typical house in the United States? Usually around twelve dollars to $1,500 and could be installed in a day's time or less. Nice. And if a waterproofing company wanted to kind of connect with you, do you have a network of radon dealers throughout the country? We do. We, uh, we do have a, 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 line, a, a number of people that we, we know in the industry across the country. We also have an authorized pro program, which are companies that we've vetted a little bit more, have experience in the field. They're certified and licensed in the area they're doing work. And they also carry a, a level of insurance that, that meets our requirements to calling them an authorized pro. Awesome. Uh, any last words that come to mind? Anything else you want to share with the basement waterproofing and foundation repair community? Sure, absolutely. I got involved in the in the Basement Health Association and the waterproofing community, uh, largely because a mentor of mine um, brought me in and opened my eyes to the fact that the waterproofing industry is really our first line of defense on a healthy home. And that the waterproofing industry really came about because they were trying to solve health issues in the home early on, early on. So we're dealing with this acute water problem that creates excessive moisture, which creates molds and mildews. And uh, we also create, creates bug infestation and other allergens as well, which becomes a real, real problem. And it's damaging the property. So my involvement was how can I help the waterproofing industry realize that they're taking care of a huge acute problem look at the next step. What is the next step there? The next step is that there are other contaminants in the soil gas that continues to enter into the home, either through an open system, an open sump pump, or just through the slab itself. Water as vapor is still a problem, which they're all dealing with effectively with some of the products that are out there. But ventilating below that, that slab can keep out more moisture, helping reduce the amount of runtime on some of those other products, and also take care of some of these other soil contaminants Radon being one of them. And now because of a lot of the soils that we're building in, building on, which have a lot of chemical, 
chemical problems on the sites, chemical vapor is now a big issue as well in a lot of these homes. And so we're seeing a lot of that transition from just radon contracting into also chemical vapor contracting. And I believe the connection between the waterproofer and healthy homes needs to continue. And so through education and through me learning what the needs are of the waterproofing industry are, I think our company can continue to help make this industry a better servant of their community to creating healthier homes. Love it. Love it. If someone wants to talk to you, do they go to right on away and fill out a form or just call your company? Just call the company. It's an easy way to call us up. We answer every phone. You don't get a, you don't get a voice uh, voicemail system and they'll, they'll put you right through to us. Awesome. Hey, that's great. Great information, Dave. So appreciate you joining us. Really helpful. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Bill. Take care. You've been listening to the Rainmaker for Contractors podcast, where basement waterproofing and foundation repair business owners and industry experts share marketing and sales information that helps you reach more customers. Please leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform and get all of our show notes at rainmakerforcontractors.com slash podcast.